0: hey you guys it's Shade of bgt reporting live from orlando florida and this week's episode is super special we have the Brujas of Brooklyn joining us and it's a little different from our usual because at the end we are doing some guided meditation and breath work so make sure you stay tuned for the entire episode and please excuse any strange noises and all those things you know it's quarantine times I was in a closet recording sounds were going off bear with us and I hope you guys enjoy Shade at Black Girls Texting. I know y'all see my text. You better answer me back.
1: I'm Chels Pinky, also known as the Washing Machine Queen. I'm classically trained. Me, 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 me.
2: It's Glenn at Betsy Brat. Wow, you did us. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye. Welcome, welcome to Black Girls Texting. Tea is steadily spilled in our group chat, and each week we let you in on it. I'm Chels Pinky, also known as the Washing Machine Queen.
2: I'm Glenn at Bed
0: Brat. And I'm Shada at Black Girls Texting. And as you all will see, we have some extra folks in the room. We have yeah. Rizella and Miguelina. The Hi. Brujas are here. The Brujas of Brooklyn, thank you so much for joining us. Um, just a quick FYI, y'all. I'm in a closet, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we're in Ting, Ting, zag, like, mm-hmm. I'm in Florida with my family, and my mom is doing her own Zoom class, the most quiet place in the house with a five-year-old is the closet, so uh, wanted to put in that caveat, but um, we were introduced to ladies by Zoila Darton, who is just so near and dear to us, she really is incredible, and has brought a lot of great women into our circle and we're really glad to meet you both yeah so i'm gonna read your about brujas but before we go into that i see you you ladies are dominican (laughs) yeah. yeah. <laughs> are your names part of your mom's name and your dad's <laughs> name? <laughs> Wait, is no. that a thing?
2: <laughs> but yeah, a but thing. Dominicans oh Dominicans are known for that. Oh like, my God. my mother's name my
3: my mother's name is my father's name is Francisco. No, my mother's name is Francis and my father's name is Gennaro, so my name is Frangelis. Like <laughs> <that's-
0: Yes. laughs> So I was like, oh, Miguelina, like maybe there's like a Miguelina yeah. and a Miguel. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, but our names are, are
3: very much a part of our identity as brujas because our parents decided to respectively name us, which I think is cool. And they both ended up naming us after dreams.
4: Mm-hmm. So that's
3: pretty, that's pretty witchy. And um, my name is, is, is in a Webster's Dictionary and it's like, germanic and it's a very old like medieval name and then miguelina is feminine miguel she's named mm-hmm. after saint michael so the both of us got our names through dreams
0: wow no way. love that yeah. mm-hmm. that's so cool so i'm gonna read you all um the about Buruha. so if you check out their Website which is brujas of Um You can learn more, but I just really thought this was super powerful. So, we are Brujas Witches, practical magic makers. We are Afro Latina identical twins born and raised in Brooklyn. We believe in the power of spirit to cast spells that aid in collective healing. Our craft is specifically dedicated to womb healing. We do so by creating safe spaces for women to share, grow, and release. There's so much in there that we can spend time on um, and I just wanted to jump right into it. So my first question is kind of like, why Brujas? What brought you to this work? Can you just share a little bit more about um, how you found yourselves here?
5: Um, so I'm Miguelina, um, and that is Griselda. I don't know where she is right now, but she's like right under me in this <laughs> little Brady Bunch screen. <laughs> we have going on but um that's a question we get asked a lot so brujas of brooklyn Bruja meaning which um as afro-dominican women understanding the history of colonialism and misogyny patriarchy you know Mm -hmm. witches were burned at the stake witches Mm -hmm. were demonized even in um, the Spanish language, in like Dominican Spanish, calling someone a bruja or a witch usually doesn't have the most positive connotations. And um, our family has dabbled in like spiritual elements since we were children before we were born. But because of Catholicism, they kind of like shied away from it. And, you know, in real Brooklyn talk, they try to like shit on like the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that's black magic. It's evil. And Mm -hmm. it was something that was always in like our periphery always in our kind of like aura but we came to this actually by being like dragged we went through respective rebirths of sorts through breakups and health scares in our late 20s and early 30s and it really brought us to our knees and it really brought us to a space where we had to pull from different tools like kundalini yoga and taking spiritual baths etc And when we came to the other side, we were like, wow, we had each other. And as identical twins, we went through these respective rebirths collectively together. We were like, damn, what about women that, and people that don't have this? And Mm. we started like, you know, like fucking around, holding little spaces here and there, and inviting our homegirls to retreats and renting houses and spending the weekend doing yoga and healing. And then we started like dabbling on a bigger scale. and, And here we are as the Brujas of Brooklyn.
2: I I love that. I love to hear the way that it's so deeply connected to your your roots Mm -hmm. in that way, and that it's just a part of you and that return to it. Uh
4: It's
2: really dope.
1: Yeah. And I want to touch on your comment about it kind of being shitted on. Um, I am a first generation American myself. um, And while we're very, my family is very much Christian Um, there are a few like aunties that practice like some sort of brujería and it's like really looked down upon. Um, Can you talk about any sort of like, I don't know, cultural um, stigma stigmas that you all have maybe had to deal with or not? Yeah, I mean,
3: I think like Miguel pointed out, this is Griselda, um, witchcraft for lack of a better term I think globally has been demonized because it's rooted in like a hatred of the feminine, a hatred mm. of women,
4: mm-hmm. a
3: hatred, a hatred of anybody that defies this idea that there's one way of honoring God, and it's usually through a man, like a priest or some mm. deacon um, and yeah, I mean, like Nika said, growing up, we were around altars, we would go to like spiritual um ceremonies. My mother would give her nuns baths, but there was always—I don't know, me. If you felt this, there was always like this, this shame, like or like secrecy, sequest- quietness, mm-hmm. yeah, attached mm-hmm. to it.
1: Um, Does and... it ever feel like? Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead. I was gonna say like it's anti-woman and it's also anti-black. It oh. seems absolutely,
3: um, yeah. absolutely.
1: You know, and and definitely,
3: we always touch on that because in Dominican Republic. And in Latin America in general, like to call a woman a bruja, it's like, she's loose because there's a sexual subversive undertone Mm -hmm. too. She's loose. She's wild and she's not deemed Mm -hmm. Mm untamable. And all of these things are tropes that have been associated with black women, even in the U S right. Um, so it's nothing, especially with hair, hair is very much connected to this identity of like a bruja in a disparaging way. So I've been in DR, like in my PhD research, I spent several summers in Dominican Republic by myself traveling up and down the country and I will wear my hair out loose. And on more than like four or five occasions, a random man would just be like, maldita bruja, you fucking witch.
4: Mm. Go comb your hair.
3: And it's like, no, it's just, you know, everyday banter. (laughs) So we're up against, you know, we're up against like that colonial beast of, of, of just, um, which is being women that were hated and demonized. But then deeper than that is this whole, is the anti-Black aspect of it that is is very much a part of like the reclamation of this identity where we're very much embracing our Black identities. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And thinking through like, especially DR, you're right next to Haiti. So voodoo, mm-hmm. like I can only imagine like the DR was on some like major whitening like the culture, and then to embrace something outside of you know Christianity or Catholicism is probably also associated with like Africanness or Haiti, which I am assuming has probably been very challenging and, and is an ongoing mm. conversation.
5: I mean, it definitely takes a lot of courage. Um, I think we're blessed in that we have each other where it hasn't ever mm-hmm. felt lonely. It hasn't ever felt like I'm ostracized. I feel crazy. I feel unseen, unheard. If anything, I have at least one ally that I could mm. turn to and she could be like, girl, you're not tripping. You know, they're <laughs> tripping. But it's it's it takes a lot of courage to go against the grain and not just like a rebel without a cause and just, you know, uh, fucking around just to be a rebel. But on some real, like we've done our work, we've done our history, we've read, we understand the way colonialism has like, torn apart our cultures and we're just trying to reclaim a little piece yeah. of it and like i love that saying like you can't get healing in the same spaces and with the same tools that like broke you and your lineage so it's not mm, gonna come God, yes through catholicism which we were raised we did our sacraments my mom is still super catholic we have white saints on our respective altars it's definitely a part of us but it's something that we had to learn the hard way it doesn't bring us healing and then we have cousins our age that are great people and friends and they kind of look at us like why you all always got to be different and we look (laughs) at them like why you always got to be the same Mm -hmm. and you know we've just learned to let people be and and everyone will come to on their own you know this pandemic I'm hoping we're hoping Mm -hmm. is going to cause a sort of a rebirth an awakening of sorts where like some people are really facing a lot of their shadows because they're confined to four walls. They're quarantined maybe in situations that with people that they don't want to be quarantined with or with people that they have unresolved, you know, problems and issues with that they have to work through. And, you know, hopefully they come out the other side um, of this awakening, different versions of themselves. But this witch life is not for the faint of heart.
1: (laughs) So I know we're saying brujas, but are you all like, you're not witches,
2: right? We <laughs> are. You, what what you is are? a witch? I, it depends on how you s- define that, right? What, what does that witch? mean? <laughs> yeah. So what does so that, what is that is a mean? Witch? I think, is
1: it like you you feel something I, mystical and even being a twin, you know? I think I mean, I think we're
3: very much witches, you know. I think I think the bruja aspect of our identity it. And and for lack of a better term, it kind of like softens the intensity of the witch. If we were the witches from Brooklyn, mm. <laughs> I <laughs> Which don't know were? if Which we were? would, you know, I don't know if we would have as much appeal as like, mm. ooh, the brujas.
2: But um mm. yeah, we're very much
3: witches because we believe that every woman, right? Every, you know, woman identified person is a witch because for us being a witch is being tapped into a raw potential that lies Mm. dormant in everybody no matter how you're gendered no matter what your sex is but in women and people with wombs it's it's you know OG revolutionary Audrey Lorde calls it the erotic right like it's this deep place that's untapped but that everybody that experiences the tapping in of that power is like holy shit like it changes my life and um, that's one of my favorite pieces, I teach it in almost every class like Miege, But Pedagogy of the Oppressed. If I'm teaching about mm-hmm. birthing justice or I'm teaching about globalization, my students are reading, you know, Uses of the Erotic by Audre Lorde, because she says something very poignant that um, really brings to life like our passion with this idea that every person has a potential to tap into this. where. Audre Lord expresses that the erotic is like, I guess during World War II in the US they were you could get margarine in like these plastic um, like plastic sleeves almost and they, it was like beige, but it had like a yellow little pellet, food coloring that you had to burst and like spread throughout the margarine so that it could look more like butter. Mm-hmm. And she says that the erotic or that untapped potential is like that little pellet of yellow. Now it's so small, but once you mm-hmm. tap into it, it just saturates everything mm-hmm. in your life where you, you take less shit, you draw stronger boundaries, and you really, really look at every single moment in your life as like a gift. Not, and don't get it twisted. It's not saying that me and my sister are like, we're
5: always happy and we're always grateful.
3: Because, <laughs> you know, we got our own shit. We got our own dragons. We got our own shadows. But since reclaiming these identities, I can attest that it has changed our life where we just carry a deeper sense of peace that we didn't before we did.
2: Yeah. So thing that I'm really hearing you say is like the if if we were to define what it were was to be a a witch, it's okay. like the power to transform. Um and it sounds like you're able to do that through a lot of different sorts of practices, like the way that you create that transformation can be done in different ways. And you talked about the the erotic, um, what are what are what are some other ways that I guess you make that transformation happen? I guess, mm. via your studies, and how do you share that with others? Mm. I, think, I that, think really
3: quick, sorry, Minga, but really quick, one thing just I feel like I need to get off my heart is that I, I also, me and my sister are very clear on the fact that word association with the word witch or bruja, for, for, for most of us, there's an instinctive association with the devil. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's, right, like in, in the mainstream imagination, but there's absolutely none of that in our practices, and we're very much rooted in the belief in God. So even when Miga was like, "It ain't for the faint of heart," because we're constantly having to almost reaffirm, like, "No, we we believe in God, we honor God, we we trust God for for guidance and all that we do." So it's demystifying the the anti-blackness, the anti-womanness, and then the anti-Godness of mm. this term as well. Yeah, so sorry, Mige, It's important.
5: No, no, just to answer uh, the question, it's like with this type of, I don't even know if work is the appropriate word. It's like, it happens so organically. You know, I think that we live in a, in a society that's so like male dominated logic, a masculine left side of the brain. I always kid that, like, Sometimes people come to our sessions and they want to walk away with an Excel spreadsheet with a formula on how <laughs> to reach awakening, how to like stop the bullshit, how to heal when in reality that's not how it works. Like I just had someone send us a message on Sunday through DM because I was like, Oh, I was watching like Queen of Four. She's one of our spiritual elders. I was watching her live and I was and I and I posted it like, oh, I'm getting my life with queen of Fu. and then i said something like one of her mantras is you have the power to heal yourself because when you heal yourself you heal all your relations because mm-hmm. all of your relations are a reflection of you and the sister was like i want to heal how do you heal how do you start and honestly i put my hands over my heart and i was like dito like that's <laughs> how it works <laughs> you know and, and one of the things i did tell her is you asking the question Is already getting you on the way to your healing and you've already opened up the portals and people and ideas and websites and IG accounts and random ads on the train (laughs) and a random song are going to show up. That's going to help you like lead you to the next level of your healing. That's how it works. But we live in a, in like this system where this type of work is so mystical. It's so beautiful. You can't contain it. It's so divinely feminine, but then people try to box it into this masculine container and it doesn't necessarily work. That's like Sephora selling sage. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work.
0: We have so many questions on that. Like one of the things we wanted to talk about is like the mainstream commoditization of like brujería, healing services, Girl. Um, mm-hmm. and understanding like <laughs> Everything you're, I know, I'm, I'm like, we got a lot to get into, but really quickly, before we jump into that, um, something that I wanted to highlight, because Chelsea said this earlier, um, in terms of like the power of being twins. So, like, my family practices um, like traditional Yoruba, Lukumi, Santeria, and um, the Ibeji, the twins mm-hmm. are like
4: mm-hmm.
0: huge. Like, in Nigeria, like, twins are like. Ah- <laughs> Oh, so I wanted to kind of tap into like some of that kind of power in being
5: twins and like how some of that may have shaped what you do. I mean, I think aesthetically, right? Because we are spiritual beings having a human experience and we have one foot in this realm. In this realm, aesthetically, it works. We're cute. We look alike. And people are <laughs> like, oh my God, it's two of you. <laughs> growing up. Growing up. Yeah. I mean, that's part like,
3: of the appeal. Real yeah. talk.
5: It's, it's, it works, but I think that deeper than that, we're identical twins, we're not fraternal, so it was one placenta, one sac. Like, mm. we were literally like this in my mother's womb, and we've been like this. We separated physically for graduate school, and ironically, that's where we grew the most together. We mm. live three blocks away, like, <laughs> we are very close, and I think that that gives us, you know, and shout out to one of our best friends, Liana, because I had this little epiphany with her last weekend. That gives us a level of like empathy and grace because we have someone that like sees us and we have someone that we see. We also have someone that checks us where it's like, girl, no, you tripping like, no, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't have like, I don't have a yes girl like, yay, everything you do is great. And Mm -hmm. definitely she doesn't have that in me. And I think that makes us a lot more grounded. Right. And then it's two of us combined. And I love that saying it's, it's, you know, it's very Christian, it's very Catholic, but it's true. When two or more people are combined in the name of Jesus, there he is. We're talking about Jesus, but we can interpret this in so many different ways. When you have people, this is why community is so important. Two people coming together with like almost exact DNA. I think the power, you can't like, you, you can't deny it. You absolutely can't from the mystical power to the power of like having that emotional intelligence to be compassionate and to be patient. I think that that definitely is a big part of our magic. Mm-hmm. I
1: want some magic so that I can have twins. That's like I my dream. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do say the
3: older, the older a woman is in conceiving her chances of having multiples increases. Cause we, we ovulate more when we get older. They say that that's oh, why Beyonce wow. had twins naturally. Yeah, Our mom
5: had us almost at 40, and we're wow. almost oh.
3: 40, yeah, natural. So, I don't know. I was led to share
5: that. Like,
3: I don't know how old you are, but um, your chances of having natural multiples increases the older you are.
5: I was like, Gris- okay, Griselda's a birth
3: doula. About- oh, no, really?
4: Can you Ooh. tell us? I didn't want to give you a heads up that, that, that
3: like, too. I've I'm I have my phone here because a uh, uh, sister just gave birth like three <gasps> hours ago. She had a V bag, vaginal birth after C section, which is a very, 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 oh, yeah. very big deal in the US.
4: Mm, I thought you couldn't do that.
3: Aspect of our identity. Um, yeah, they, they have us believe that <laughs> once you have a C section, you have to have a C section. But no, um, and we did a virtual. I agree that I I mean, my view is <gasps> not to go to the hospital because it's crazy in New York right, right. now. Mm-hmm so i supported her virtually through facetime they didn't let me be present while she pushed but she was by herself and she did it
1: Wow! now is yeah. she a, she's a woman of color
3: yeah she's black yep she's because
1: oh my people <laughs> um, <laughs> she um you know we've been seeing on the news and i, I want to talk to you about if you're a, since you're a doula about all these black women just dying you Girl. know giving yeah. childbirth and like i mean i'm absolutely a no we're not having kids soon Um, We're all in our 20s, but I hope to one day, you know, and like, it's scary watching. Have a home birth, have a home
3: birth. I'm I'm grateful that a lot of this is being revealed in the context of the pandemic, but this is a pandemic that a lot of Black birth workers have been addressing for a really long time. And Mm -hmm. I think, ironically, Mm -hmm. Serena Williams and Beyonce's both near-death experience, a Mm -hmm. lot of mainstream media doesn't share that they both almost died while giving birth. And they both ended up having emergency C-sections. It really brought this issue to the fore. But like, yeah, I'm, I'm a big advocate about on home births. If you're healthy, if you're low risk, if you have a good support team, like just stay your asses out of a hospital. If mm. you have no other choice, most of my births are hospitals. Like if you have a good doula and a good support system, you will be fine. But like it, for me, there's nothing more sacred than giving birth in like a safe space like your home.
5: And Grisada gave birth to, uh, you know, her yeah. five-year-old at home. I had a wow. home birth. Oh, yeah. my
2: gosh. Can Thanks, you talk to yeah. us more about what the work of a doula is? Mm. Um,
3: so a doula is, is, is a birth companion. And one major aspect of the Brujas of Brooklyn is that our major work is rooted in womb wellness. Mm-hmm. Or we call it woke womb work or like yoni power. I mean, we've got different names, but we're very big on yoni, right? The mm-hmm. Sanskrit word for sacred space, but pussy, vulva vagina. We're very big on reclaiming that word. So a doula is someone who's trained in providing emotional and physical support for a woman or a person that's delivering birthing a child. We're not a medical professional. We don't go to med school. Average doula training is around eight to like 10 weeks. And, um, you know, it's, it's out of pocket that people pay insurance is not formally covering doula work right now. Mm. Um, and we provide support from Um, you know, sometimes um, four four months of pregnancy until like a month or two postpartum, you have Mm -hmm. abortion doulas, you have miscarriage doulas,
4: Mm -hmm. Um,
3: and I think that in the climate of the United States, every woman, but every Black woman, every woman of color, should hire a doula if they're Mm -hmm. choosing to give birth in a hospital. Because we're advocates too, so like we know the language, so we like we provide spark notes. The doctor comes and is like, "Oh, we're gonna rupture your membrane and we're gonna increase the pitocin, and I'll tell you in five minutes the side effects, whether you should do it, whether you shouldn't do it, and Word. then you choose to make the decision for yourself."
2: Wow, yeah. someone that you can trust, essentially, that's right. what yes. with you. Yeah, very key. Trust, trust,
1: trust. Is hiring a doula expensive?
3: Um, no, it doesn't need to be. There are a lot of community-based organizations that offer like sliding scale. Medicaid in New York has some programs where they're reimbursed a doula. On average, doulas charge between
5: 1000 to $3,000, really? which is like nothing. Mm-hmm. I be telling Giri, yeah. like, you got how much? Like, and you spent how long in the hospital? <laughs> I'm I shocked. mean, it's a labor of
3: love because I'm working with clients from like five, six, seven, eight months. And then I'm usually at a birth for 24 to 36 hours. And then I I do one to two postpartum visits afterwards. Um, So yeah, so it's a labor of love. I I absolutely Mm -hmm. love it. I just don't do it as much because it's very taxing. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. You know, we were talking earlier a little bit about the commoditization of these different practices. And I can't help but think about some of these like very trendy doula, like Instagram pages that I see. Mm -hmm. And they make it look like, super hip and sleek and it looks really expensive Look. so I, it's very interesting <laughs> but I guess to like circle back to that whole idea about the way these practices are becoming like on trend I was even thinking about like you can buy necklaces on Etsy that say Bruja on them
0: and don't drag just... <laughs> my necklace actually
2: mine wasn't was done, gonna, I wasn't and some of them are cute mine was that. customized
1: <laughs> to say Bruja <laughs> It, like, is I
4: sweet,
5: I you know, some of it is <laughs> cute it's like cute and it's like oh my god we're we're seeing this and i mean i want like i already manifested i want a bruja like double ring i got a double ring that says new york and i want a double ring that says bruja or like bruja and then brooklyn like it's already yeah. all in my mind right <laughs> but i think that th- those are cute elements of it but i think that like the more like low vibrating elements that I personally don't fuck with, and Gri and I are a collective, but we are a collective of two separate human beings. The part that <laughs> I don't really rock with is like the, the commodification of it on two levels. First of all, these like practices that are very much black and brown are being commodified by white women. And I'm like, girl, mm-hmm. Like, you didn't know right. what Florida water was until, you know, exactly. 2017, and now you're mass producing it, and packaging it, and tripling the price. That's a big issue, because mm-hmm. it goes back to colonialism, it goes back to this voyeurism, and, you know, cultural appropriation. When we were doing it, it was like, hush, hush, and you just, it, it wasn't, like, cool, but, like, white people start doing it, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, let me put you on. Mm. And I'm like, mm. okay. And the second part that I allow to like really try my nerves is this idea that like, these are really sacred practices. These are really sacred tools. And I don't know if some of the people dabbling in this world know what they're doing. And there's Mm. this thing where like people go on a weekend retreat and they get a Reiki certification and all of a sudden they're Reiki masters and they want to lay hands on you. And I'm like, who's your elder? Like Mm. whose feet did you sit on? Honestly, what kind of turmoil did you work through in life? Or like to be real clear with you and I've been there to a certain Certain extent, you're a light worker and you're providing services to women in need, but like your house is all messy in terms Mm. of like not physically that, too, but like. You know, you're, you're in a toxic relationship. You know, you're the toxic person. You, it, it's those things that it's like, that doesn't jive. And for me, it's kind of scary because it, it started to get a little bit out of control. Hopefully, we're starting to taper that with this pandemic. So it's like this mixed bag where I'm like, yes, this is cute that we have bruja necklaces and we're getting more exposure. But on the other end of it, you, it's like a bandwagon. And it's like, this isn't like, it, it's not for shits and giggles. This is like, we're dealing with real life and real people.
4: Mm-hmm. I mean,
3: I think to add on a very in- insignificant element that me and Miguel always talk about as much as we can is colorism, right? Because I we, we're also clear on the fact that like, as Afro-Latinas that are not dark-skinned, there's certain things mm-hmm. that we may be able to get away with, for lack of a better term, because mm-hmm. of the aesthetics around it, you know? And that these practices were practiced by brown woman of all hues but the embodiment mm-hmm. of the stereotype is usually a dark-skinned woman right so we're very clear we're very clear on that privilege that we hold but then we also recognize that like um it's it's still important nevertheless to create a platform because what we're finding is that it don't matter the skin tone it don't matter the background most women of color that come to our events are like holy shit like i've never experienced anything Anything like that because it's like your grandmama's like spirituality mixed with like our PhD academic knowledge mm-hmm. where we frame things from like an, a, you know a power structure perspective and then we dabble the ratchet with like you know our Brooklyn background and being millennial yes. it's really an experience that I think a lot of women are like holy shit like you just gave me my life you yes. you created a space where I could twerk without feeling shame <laughs> And then you, you helped me release, you know, we don't, we don't profess to be healers. We don't profess that our work is a, is a one shot deal, but we do pray our constant prayers that, um, the people that come into our presence, they leave feeling a grain of sand lighter than they did when they were before they came into our presence. And most people are like, yep. Yeah. Yeah. gave me my life in those 90 minutes.
2: Mm. And one of the things, how we felt, Shade and I, when we came to your Zoom. (laughs) Yeah.
5: I was like, what the fuck am I doing
2: with my hands? Oh, for real. I was like, (laughs) amazing. (laughs) breathing. I was doing like the squat movement. It was amazing.
5: Frog pose. Frog
2: frog pose. Oh,
3: my God. Amazing. We're on day, what, 34? Yeah.
5: 27 of those. I did that this morning. Like, Lord. But one of the things I, I also wanted to add on and hearing Griselda speak is also going back to the aesthetics of it. Like we've been in a lot of healing circles where we, te- we were in our late 20s, early 30s. We were the youngest people there. I mean, we sat at the fee of women and they had like 50-year-old women, 60-year-old women, sometimes 70-year-old women like doing this type of work. And it was beautiful. But sometimes I didn't feel necessarily seen, although I was there mm-hmm. and I was there for the healing. Like... I'll be honest with you, sometimes they're like all white with the long skirts and the head wrap. I'm serious. Or like we've been in healing spaces where like it's like, oh, don't wear makeup. Mm. And, you know, women don't wear pants. And it's beautiful because you have to like you have to dabble to find Right, that sweet spot that's that you see yourself reflected and Griselda and I were very intentional to bring so much healing from those circles and like kind of filter out what didn't work like you go to our workshops you saw us on on zoom we had our hair wrapped but you come to our workshops in the brick and mortar places and I remember one summer some of our friends went to a workshop we had at Heal House this beautiful healing space for black and brown people in Brooklyn it was the middle of the summer and my, my home girl Amy shows up like girl I'm thinking I'm thinking you're going to be like an all white with a skirt. I had this cute little like white linen romper like my <laughs> with my big door knockers and my red lipstick. And she was annoyed because she's like, I'm here. in My yoga clothes looking kind of frumpy and you're looking fly. And I was like, nobody said you had to look frumpy to heal. Like, yeah.
1: no. That's a can, fucking quote. Can you talk about how, um, how you even found your community? Like, how did you find your elders? And like, how did you step into that? Like the actual practice?
3: I think um, one thing um, one thing is clear, sorry, um, that what we realize in our own respective paths is that the path kind of like reveals itself to you. Um, and, it, and it goes back to Miga's point about, um, and I've been there, I know Miga has been there where maybe out of desperation, I was just like, yo, God, just show me like the answer. And we all mm. know that all of us here have experiences where, The most growing that we did was when we got our asses served on a platter to ourselves. (laughs) So it's almost like once you make up your mind, the power of intention, and you really want to embark on this path, the one random book is going to lead you to that one random website that's going to like that. And like, it kind of like builds on itself and we could provide like the trajectory and we, and I'm always happy to share books that have inspired me, but that was what my path led me. And it's beautiful to see how each of your respective paths will continue to unfold. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe, but, but, but Chelsea, that's an important question, Mige, because maybe that is uh, something that we can consider now that we have some time. Even though we find ourselves, I don't know about child, like feeling like more busy than before the pandemic.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. We're also teaching, so we're also teaching online. Yeah. But um,
3: maybe a resource list. I think that that's great because we're also big on yes. like colon hydrotherapy, like cleaning out your colon for many reasons
5: ma- menstruation yes. related and a lot of
3: people always ask us for references so mm, maybe that's good like I a, mean people like have been good.
5: asking that for a long time like our hydrotherapists, our colon therapists. who do mm. we go to for natural for the, our natural paths we're very big on like um, homeopathic medicine natural ways to heal we definitely um, dealt with respective health concerns health scares cancer scares that we've taken into our own hands mm. and we've really gotten busy with our healing But I wanted to add real quick that like, uh, you know, of course, nothing is a coincidence. Everything is aligned. I was just telling my boyfriend the story of how I met Queen Afua. We were watching her live, and I've spoken so much about her. She's been so pivotal in the work that Griselda and I do because I was a sort of an apprentice for her for a little over a year. And, you know, me and him are watching her, her live, and he's like moved by her. Like, if you've ever even seen Queen Afua just speaking over a phone, which what we did, he was so moved. I'm like, can you imagine? being in this woman's presence and in mm-hmm. her grace and I don't know if you remember Griselda we went to like a womb yoga class she had in 2013 and we knew about her work we had some of her books and we somebody told us about a womb yoga class and like bam she had she was hosting <laughs> it and the class was over and a few people left she had one assistant and me and Giri just started picking up we start rolling up yoga mats we're like oh do you want us to walk you to your car and we walk into her car and she is just so moved and she's like you ladies are so, oh my God, I want to invite you to my birthday. And she invites <gasps> us to her birthday and then we go and we're at her birthday and she like pulls what? us to the side and she's like, I'm translating a book into Spanish. I thought of you. Do you want me to, do you want to help me? And I was like, Look at that. we are not worthy. <laughs> and seriously i i personally started going to her house and helping her and then from there it was like little like little errands can you do this can you can you translate this can you print this like you know she's not as technically savvy and i sat at this woman's foot feet for months just having her drop knowledge having her speak and we did nothing you know it wasn't like i was like hello my name is migalina can i please be your apprentice right. <laughs> <laughs> It just happened because somewhere my spirit was like, okay, like you're ready. You're going to need this, right? And like Rizalda, I said, the, the path is revealed to you every step of the way. And it's not an easy question to answer. And I know people do want those answers, but I think Rizalda, you listing the like um, reference or the the resource list may be like a starting point. Because Queen of Fuma may not be your cup of tea. Or mm-hmm. Reverend Afisa Sheree, one of Griselda's elders, may not be your cup of tea. Like, you also have to find what works for you.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that you said that. And, like, a big part of any spiritual practice is, like, learning and, and taking that time. And the beauty and like, elders and things being passed down. I want to also understand, like, your... How do I word this? Like education outside of your healing practices like what are your PhDs in like what like mm-hmm. y'all are doctors like what's that like, I, I want to get into yes, that I mean
3: we should lead with that Miege because you know Miga's always like remember she said there's two individuals in this collective and one is feistier than the other um, <laughs> I
5: wonder who that is <laughs> I don't know,
3: I'm like, that? <laughs> um, y'all both got some well, yeah. Oh, I'm not, not sure yeah <laughs> We, you know, we're both PhDs, which I think is a very big deal because our mother was undocumented when we were
5: born. She barely speaks English. and Girl, 20, barely speak English. Mommy speak no she English. barely speaks <laughs> <barely. laughs> um, no English. <laughs> so,
3: um, again, it was just like, I feel like my mother worked so hard to spiritually covet us and protect us. But I always feel like we're always walking with entities that are so much bigger and more knowing than us. And we ended up going to a state school in Binghamton in undergrad. And then once there, we, we know, you know, we were asked to participate in like this first generation student of color program that helps students of color attain a PhD. And, and I went Barbara to Syracuse, e. she went to Rutgers the McNair Scholars Program shout outs, like always, because I got a full ride to get my PhD, five years
4: wow. of complete
3: funding. And I, my, my Griselda, my PhD is in sociology, and I did my research on um, anti-black racism in Dominican mm. Republic. It's, it's so much more denser and longer mm. and more convoluted, but the very simple um, topic that I did. And now I teach for the City, University of New York City College in particular. And now my work has shifted where I do a lot of my theoretical work on birthing justice, which is Chelsea, where you were mentioning about the way that there's racism in maternal care in the U.S. and how do we address that from a systemic perspective? And then Mige, your Ph.D.?
5: <laughs> uh, Migue? My Ph.D., yes.
3: Oh. Oh. <laughs> no, you were frozen.
5: <laughs> uh, my PhD is in public policy in urban planning and public policy formation from Rutgers University and my research looked at the gentrification of Washington Heights mm. and its effects on second generation Dominicans and how that's playing out and how our identity as people of color is so tied into neighborhoods being from Brooklyn and I, uh, I, I can't talk about who I am without talking about Betsy Stuy mm. and Bushwick yes so pivotal of who I am. So when that neighborhood starts to change, it's almost like the semi-identity question. Girl, you thirsty? <laughs> we
2: really oh, wow. I was gonna say I hate a goat. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Isn't there anything thirsty. since you got your PhD DNA and we're all from Brooklyn, I'm from Flatbush. So very West Indian, like very embedded <laughs> in me. Um is there something we can do? Because I even go back to Flatbush and I was like, okay, it was happening in, in bedside and now that's White-Stuy. It's happening in Flatbush oh, wow. too. I'm not going to say all that. <laughs> it's happening no. in, no, no. no, I'm saying it's happening all over Brooklyn. No, even no, in the parts the of Brooklyn where you thought it would have never happened. Yeah. It's happening. So yeah. is there something we can do?
3: I feel like Brownsville is the final frontier. But it's Yo, going it's there. It's not. It's, it's, it's going not. there. I, got, I know it's people show sure up like houses that. out there. They're I've looking. Seen
1: that. They're looking. It's happening in East New York, too. It's yeah. happening.
5: I think this is so, uh, it's such a big question. And I remember uh, two years ago, our sister, shout out to Mariam, I see you well. She hosted a uh, Zen Day. She did it at Weeksville, this beautiful event, and it was Amazing. they're like on their third year I don't even know if Zende's going to happen. Jesus. It's mm-hmm. every June. And I was a guest speaker as she had me talk about the emotional aspects of gentrification. Mm-hmm. And I went in and I remember having like this download that is about worth, and we have to feel worthy of our communities. We have to feel worthy of fighting, We have to feel worthy of resistance and a, of resistance. And a lot of times our communities are just so disempowered. You know, for a lot of reasons, it goes back to slavery, it goes back to the wealth (laughs) gap. Right? Sick and tired of being sick and tired. And even me, I started like doing community organizing with like the good good old Lower East Side Goals, one of the oldest community development corporations. I was like, I'm tired. Like, and this shit is for free. Like, Said, take me back to my lab so I could continue writing my dissertation. It's definitely not for the faint of heart, but like I tell my students, I teach at LaGuardia Community College. I teach urban sociology, you have to do something, you have to do something, post something, tweet something, you know, read something that's going to really move you. And unfortunately, a lot of the most groundbreaking work in my field is by white men. And mm-hmm. I have to respect to them because they've done groundbreaking work, but, groundbreaking work, but I'm like, that. I'm tired of reading about myself through the lens of a white man. Mm. the gaze of a white man. And I think that having more academics of color, academics of color that are more grounded because there's so many academics of color that are disconnected, they right. become whitewashed. And we've been lucky to have like a really nice community of academics of color that are like about it. Like we get together, we don't talk about the system. We don't talk about the man. You know, we <laughs> just chill, we drink and we'll talk shit. We're like some of academics, they can't like disconnect that. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing for me, if if really you want to do something, it's about owning, you know, getting Mm -hmm. you and your homegirls, you and your family together and owning something, because that's one of the only ways that we're going to really keep the power. But then that telling you that somewhere in my spirit is like, no, that's not going to do anything because there's a structure in place that doesn't value us as, as bodies of color. So, I don't know. I was thinking the other day, like, maybe after this pandemic, a lot of white people go back to the Midwest. I'm being really honest. Yes. We literally yes. just saying
2: that they, gonna have, they can't afford really it. I'm being really
5: honest. Like, they're, they're scared out their minds. And they're like, oh, my God, the epicenter. I'm going back to Milwaukee. And maybe yep. there could be, like, a shift, fortunately and unfortunately... <laughs> And this isn't about white people, right? This is about a, a system that values white bodies and white businesses more than they value our bodies, mm-hmm. you know? So coming in and, and being ba- mad at like homegirl that moved here from Wisconsin is really like you're really displacing your energies because it's about a, a larger problem. You know, and like right. today I taught all day and I my lesson today was like juxtaposing like gentrification and this COVID-19 virus where... There's this beautiful organization called ProPublica. They do a lot of great work on neighborhood change. They have this crazy interactive map where you could punch in your zip code and it tells you like the COVID cases percentage wise. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of my students being from Queens are like living in East Helmers. And we just did the, the we did the, the practice exercise today. And in East Elmhurst, they have an 86, their rate of of coronavirus cases is 86% higher than the rest of the city. And then we compared it to uh, one 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 zero zero two seven on the Upper West Side, mm. and it was eight percent. Eight percent. You you can't have these conversations independent of gentrification, independent of racism, going back to like redlining, because it didn't happen in a vacuum. You know, are people dying at large rates because of like these preconditions? Diabetes, right? They talk mm-hmm. about asthma, 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 but a lot of people of color dying from COVID nineteen or the effects of it are because they are diabetic. Yep. Girl, for me, to, the, the short answer to that long-as-winded answer I just gave is you got to <laughs> tap into yourself and find your worth. Because another thing that I've learned is Griselda and I were like really hardcore activists in college, and we started to feel a little bit of burnout, and we started to feel see older activists be really angry and bitter, and there wasn't in love in a lot of these movements, and I mm. feel like we also need to bring love into this. And if Mm. you don't bring love, then sit your ass at home, because then it's going to, we're going to, our, our, our like descendants are going to be here 30 years from now. And we don't want that.
1: Mm. Yeah. I think, I think like growing up in this time, like it's, sometimes it's hard to find the love because like Mm. there's one year where all these black people are getting shot on TV. Now black people are just getting killed from this disease. And it seems like. Our president does not give a fuck. Oh, and he like, doesn't. so it's he not. Doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. we know he doesn't. <laughs> but like, it's hard to find the love. Is there like a practice that you can recommend to like kind of find that Zen when like the world is so crazy and you're feeling mm. so emotionally tied to it? I think um,
5: that's a great question. I mean,
1: I always go to
3: meditation like five minutes of silence every day. Um, but whatever it is, I think there has to be consistency and intention. So mm. I, I do something where every morning I, I sleep with a glass of water. I mean, yeah, yeah see, I'm thirsty. I drink a lot of water. But <laughs> every morning I wake up and there's a little bit of water left. And I say, I can, I will, I am. I've been doing that for like 15 years. Wow. Mika, I got that from a Cristina show, this old school like talk oh, show like, in the 90s. Like the Oprah <laughs> you, of you,
5: Latin America.
3: You take a glass <laughs> of water and I say, I can i will i am 95 percent of the time i i do this and it's something really simple but i feel like i charge my day with that and Mm -hmm. these rituals of loving kindness um are best when they're done like first thing in the morning because you set your day i think that one thing that i'm noticing with the pandemic is is just that we're being pushed to reconfigure our notion notion no notions of like productivity Mm -hmm. and of like um I don't know, practices where it doesn't have to be all out. Like you could do something really simple, but put faith that what you're doing is with a lot of heart and you'll get a lot of love in return. Um, because I, I that know left- that the aesthetics... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, no, I was because- saying that the aesthetics of it
5: is... <laughs> <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead, No, that someone is interviewing us for a magazine and we're, they're asking us, to, asking us to type our questions and that's what I was doing... Before we got on this call, and I was talking about something similar to what Guzalda just mentioned. So this is random, but not random. I you, I can't really show you, but my my fingers are mad scaly from washing and <laughs> dishes, right? Yeah. So I live with our elder. My, my our mom is seventy seven, and I live with her and. Um, I'm her sole caretaker now because we sent her home health aid home because homie was riding the train sitting in my living room. Oh no, can't went, be doing oh, that. No. But then she wanted to be stressed and I'm like, I don't know what I was most turned off by. Like the fact that like she, she was out there in the streets sitting in my living room <laughs> or that she was like worrying so much. So I was like, stay your ass at home, right? I yeah. got this. So the point is that I find myself cooking, cleaning, washing dishes. I try so that my mom doesn't do so much. And my fingers are literally like cracking and scaling. And today, one of the things I wrote is I had to learn sometime two weeks ago, I'm being really sincere. I had to start treating washing the dishes like a labor of love. Yes. I'm like, mm. Mm. yes. So do the dishes. Seriously, what I do now is I organize the shit out of my sink before mm-hmm. anything. I put plates on one side and it helps me like okay i don't feel overwhelmed and honestly i'm sitting there and i'm like i remember reading this in so many spaces like okay the water's warm smell the soap oh my god yes. look at all the grease leaving the plate because if not that event that you are doing every single day similar to what Grizz just said about doing the little ritual with her cup of water Ooh. every single day and how powerful that could be The ritual of washing the dishes and being like, oh, fuck, doing it every day could really lower your vibration. Mm -hmm. The same way that you could do something every day for four minutes and it increases your vibration every day, washing the dishes for me was a chore until like, are you typing something? Sorry, we're hearing like a. Yeah,
0: no, that's my that's my my fucking work chat. It's like,
5: (laughs) why I got to be me, though.
0: I'm sorry, and and but like there's hella tabs, so I'm like, which one is it in? <laughs> and I know, so I'm like, so I keep so hearing like, it. <laughs> no, it's in. Yeah. It's up in like Mad tabs. Okay, I think I've got. I think I've discovered. All the tabs. Sorry. No,
2: that's so cool to hear you say that, though, because literally I found myself becoming obsessed with doing my dishes. I have a friend staying with me now. We're quarantining together, and when my sink is full, she's like, "I'll help you," and I'm, I'm like, "No, no, 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 don't, don't go in there. Like, <laughs> I need to do it. It's my thing. I have to do it before I go to bed. I make a whole thing out of it, and it makes me feel lighter. Um, wow. But I also love to hear um, this idea of saying this mantra every morning when when you wake up and You both have mentioned prayer throughout this conversation. And that's a thing Chelsea and I know. I've I've made that kind of a goal for myself this year to have a prayer practice, prayerful practice, I guess. And I feel all of this anxiety with sitting down to pray because it's just so honest and you hear yourself Mm
4: -hmm. in this really
2: intense kind of way. Even like journaling evokes that same kind of feeling. Yeah. Um, but anyway, just thoughts on, on prayer and how you've all have both Oof. of you incorporated I mean, prayer into your lives.
3: My mother is a prayer warrior. Like anything. <laughs> I called her the minute that this client was like, I'm, I'm pushing the baby. I called my mom and I was like, Mommy, can you please pray? And um, today, because the, 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 the young woman was in the hospital by herself, I was communicating with her mother. I had never spoken to her mother. But then we got to know each other and, and y'all, this woman prayed over me. Mm. Y'all, I, am even getting chills. Like she was one of these OGs, Trinidadian that like, she knew all the Bible verses off the dome. (laughs) Yo. And you know, that's one thing that like, I'm, I'm, I'm growing less shameful of like, you know, um, like I'm a, I'm a big like cannabis head you know, but I've been doing more edibles and I just happened to eat half a gummy right before she <laughs> called. I called y'all. I was like, yo, no, seriously, I was in my bedroom. My The shades were open. The sun was like shining in my room. And I, I literally had the phone like this and I had my hands up and she was just praying mm-hmm. and I was letting the lady pray. Prayer is very powerful. Prayer is mm-hmm. very powerful. And it doesn't have to be like the chance like, we grew up doing the rosary, so Catholics have, like, like Baptists and Methodists have, like, an ordained way of praying, and that's beautiful, but prayer is just an intention where you sit and you just talk to God, like, he's your homie, she's your homie, they're your homie. Um, Y'all, I mean, I'm very big on prayer. Like, I pray every day. I don't, don't leave my house without saying a prayer. I pray over my child. I pray over my husband. I pray over my family every single day. No shame, oh, you know, because... Um, you know, there's scientific evidence to prove that the vibratory frequencies coming out of your mouth affect your body because we're like sixty, seventy percent water and that's including prayer. And one thing that um that I've noticed is that I used to pray out of desperation. God please, God, please. Mm. And I've shift that where now I pray out of gratitude. Like God, yes. thank you. Yes. Thank you. For the even for the for the flat tire for locking my key mm. in my car. For you know, spraining my ankle. Thank you, God, because there's always a divine order to everything. I thank God every day for the coronavirus. Like, I love that, I'm that just
2: you... like. Really, wow. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. I love <laughs> that you said that, though. It could, yeah. it's like a conversation, like because when I do my prayers in the morning, a lot of times, you know, to your point, you're asking for something or you want something, but there are some days where I just be like, "Yo, thank you," like. Shit is cute right now. Papa Dios, thank you. Yeah, I'm like, (laughs) Like, we we chilling right now? Let's just keep the vibes. Like, you good? I'm good. We good. Thank you. Keep everybody good. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but but, yeah, Glenn, I... I, I, Go ahead.
3: I do give thanks, you know, for this pandemic because it's teaching us so much about humanity Mm -hmm. and the earth and what the earth needed. I mean, the earth needed rest. And I think that that's where my perspective on prayer shifted a few years ago, where in the, one of the dark nights of my soul right before Bruhaza Brooklyn were birth, I lived with an elder mama mood that taught me a lot of what I know. And, um, she, she, she just taught me this one thing that I always repeat and it's, all things in divine order all things in divine order all things in divine order Mm. and what she taught me is that no matter how bad it seems there's always a divine order to things because if you don't believe that and you resist it you you know and i'm I'm getting chills from head to toe like uh like when you don't believe that then you don't believe in the power of god the way that you do because god is all-knowing and god has us here for a reason and it's unfortunate that our folks are perishing at disproportionate rates and that the world is, in a sense, in a state of like an existential dilemma. But I'm so grateful because it's getting a lot of people to wake the fuck up in a way that nothing else could have.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: And you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's not to say, like, when people hear Griselda and I speak in those ways, that shit is like super hunky-dory and we don't have no. Where we're worried, you know, Mm -hmm. our mom is 77, you know, she has cardiovascular issues, she's pre-diabetic, right? So these are things that we think about. We have had losses, not like really close to us, but extended family members that it's been like pretty, you know, a tender spot has been like touched. But we've also been in really dark spaces where it's like we resisted and we resisted and we resisted. And until we really surrendered, we didn't feel ease. Mm. And, you know, I, and I'm not comparing a pandemic to a breakup, but one of my biggest lessons was leaving a toxic relationship of almost 10 years. And I resisted and I resisted and I resisted and I resisted. And it wasn't until I surrendered and I was like, God, I guess this isn't for me where my healing really happens. And that's minor compared to like the real deal that someone's dealing with. But they both are just as important. They both, yeah. they both matter equally. And, and one of the things that I wanted to share about prayer and it came through me in one of our lives is like the power of the Holy Spirit. Like I used to think of the Holy Spirit and I was moved to share it because that morning I read the Inyalavin She has that Until Today book. She has a day that you read every day and she spoke about the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. that morning. And then I shared it on the live. And before I used to be so resistant to that entity because I I attributed it to like the white Jesus that my sister and I were like raised with, but that ain't got shit to do with Jesus. Like the Holy Spirit is this, this beautiful entity being. You can't see that it's just there ready for you. Like literally ready. Like you good. I'm here. If you need me. And a lot of times we're like control freaks and, we think that we got control and we want all our ducks in order. And control, in my late 30s, I learned control is a fucking hack. It's a, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's an illusion. An illusion. Mm. It's an illusion. It is. And when I tell my students this, you know, I teach like 18, 19, 20 year olds. They look at me like, "Bitch, what?
2: Yeah." Control is an illusion. SZA said that's why she named her album Control. And like, yeah. Uh, you did. And it? Her How mother. Did
4: it? her whole mother
0: yeah.
3: her mother's whole conversation throughout the album is 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 full circle. She was like, You know, I just had to lose control, let go of control. And I was like,
0: Oh yes, oh my
1: God. I have a question. How like is there like a line to that? Because, like I'm thinking about my mom in this situation, and my mom, similar to your mom's, probably, is like she always prays for me. She always is praying. she she is very Christian. Um, and I'm talking to her like, worried for you like you're my mom blah blah and she's like god is taking care of me Mm -hmm. stop it and i'm like okay Mm. i get god is taking care of you but like (laughs) you come on and like i don't know like i feel like i don't know where the line is between like fate and like what's meant to be versus like you taking a power and like Mm. control but it's like no that is worrying
5: but it's worrying powerful is like is is being scared power well no me it is though
2: for negative repercussions though perhaps right sorry right
3: or people that are that may be and that addiction to pain is a whole nother podcast episode but chelsea i i think if if i understood your question i think is really poignant is like yes prayer is important but you can't throw prayer on everything
5: and whenever mm-hmm. people, when my mother goes <laughs> like, like sorry, your they, mother, they were showing like you know the, those white people that are protesting in the Midwest, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's like this woman is out there with like no mask, no nothing, huddle up like I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. I was <laughs> right. like, that's all too right, far, like, I don't yes. Know.
4: <laughs> <that's
3: too> far. <laughs>
4: That's but,
3: you know, I, <laughs> I, I, too much. I don't know if this is biblical, but I love that line. God helps those who help themselves. Mm-hmm. And when my mother tries, tries to throw a prayer at everything, I'd be like, "Mommy, Dios dice, ayúdate, que yo te ayudaré. And that's the translation. Like, God helps those who help themselves. So we're very, like, left-brain, right-brain, masculine, feminine, yin and yang, like, very big on prayer, very big on faith. But I'm gonna not, you know. I ain't gonna like pray to God to give me a summer body and then I'm eating like chocolate fussy donuts <laughs> or, 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 right? Like it's a very, it's a very yes. tongue in cheek example, but it's a great one. Like, you know, God give me the will to be able to,
4: mm.
3: you know, be fit for my health's sake, you know, for my well being, for my own sense of self. and And the way I pray is like, and give me the will to have control over mm. my cravings, and, and that will I think that will, Chelsea, in, in your question, that will is what's often missing with people that really throw everything to just a divine. like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, that's just a divine." And it's like, no, God gave human beings dominion over our well-being by our will. Yeah. But yeah, I mean,
5: me and Mi don't talk enough about prayer. But I think that prayer is a very essential part of like our practice. And everything's a prayer. It doesn't have to be like uh-huh. sitting in front of an altar. Yeah. Lee, we lost your image. Or at least I can I know. see know yeah. 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 I lost it too. I, I got it. Got it. You know, prayer, <laughs> uh, growing up, it was very formal. And yeah. even to this day, my mother's like, go to church. You know, seek God. And I'm like, mommy, but, you know, I have God inside of me. You have God inside of you. We are God. And I have yes. my altar and... I am the temple, I am the shrine, I am the synagogue. And my mother's like, no, you have to go to the church. But for her, she was raised like, it had to be very formal and ritualistic. And I fuck with that sometimes, but a lot of times it's also like getting up in the morning and sitting in the sanctity of my space That's a prayer. I wanted to mention earlier Mm. when we were talking about washing dishes, like rituals, I learned this reading um, Don Miguel Ruiz, he's the one that wrote The Four Agreements, where Mm -hmm. he's like, everything in your life must be a sacred ritual from showering to like, you know, baptizing your child. And like, I, like Griselda, every morning, I have a ritual for like the last 15, 16 years in my shower. Seriously, I touch my toes, I squat, I bend backwards, literally, and I say a Mm -hmm. prayer because I'm like, you know, I got to keep these Magda the Stallion knees. And that's, that's <laughs> one way. But honestly, like, I, I'm like, okay, I'm staying flexible. I'm touching my toes, I'm squatting, but I also say a prayer. I'm drying myself and I'm saying a prayer. I'm putting lotion on, because it's something you do every day. And it's something that like, it's it's you, it's you. You know, on a good day, mm-hmm. it's not only you, but it's oftentimes just you. In hey. the shower, hey. <laughs> just you, right? But real talk: everything doesn't in prayer. You don't have to be like in a church or a synagogue or ma- a mosque or in a really sacred, sacred space. The, you could be like, we could start a prayer right here. You could write mm. your prayer. Like everything could be a prayer. Mm. Sex is the biggest prayer <laughs> ever.
4: Hallelujah!
3: Yeah. Mm. I mean, sex yeah.
5: is orgasm. The hallelujah.
4: The
3: <laughs>
1: but you also talked earlier about like womb health and Uh yoni health um yes are there like natural things that women should be doing with their yonis and their wombs
2: yeah like we all got steams before oh
1: yeah yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was burning my butt
3: Literally. <laughs> but you probably felt great after. I mean, I we feel great
2: after. Yeah. No? I just remembered what you were trying to do in that steam um, room.
5: I was like, ow, ow. Oh,
0: no.
2: I mean, it
5: should be, like, hot, but it shouldn't it be, like, painful. It was
2: hot.
1: Aww. Maybe I'll
5: try again.
0: We <laughs> were also in Cambodia. Yeah, we were. In outside in the heat. Oh, and then good. in the hot. That sounds hot, nice.
1: <laughs> She's like, it sounds nice. <laughs>
3: um, I mean, there's a whole lot. We could... Like Yoni power is so, like Mige is a spectrum. It could be very simple as just talking to her, talking to it when you're showering, if you mm. want to look in the mirror, to more intentional, like making sure that you're using safe products during your bleeding space.
4: because mm. that's
3: a whole nother beast. Like one of the many factors leading to the high mortality or near mortality with regards to Black women giving birth, a lot of it is major systemic, major um, the medical system in this country rooted in sexism and racism. But then everything's symbiotic. Like, uh, me and I don't look at things in isolation. Like it's all the white man. Like, yeah, it's a lot of that. Absolutely. We big on that, but we also try to give our own selves a sense of agency to be like, okay, what responsibility can we take? Not in the context of respect, respectability politics, more in the context of empowerment. So it's like a lot of us go into the process of conceiving a child with fibroids because we spent 20 years on birth control, mm-hmm. or we spent 20 years using. Say Menstrual practice. <laughs>
0: okay, Ms. How do y'all feel right. about? How do y'all feel about birth control? <laughs> I don't have to ask about that. We've never been oh on birth control. Oh my god, birth control is it's very personal.
3: Tricky. It's yeah. very personal. It's personal, like I'll say this. Up until very recently, I was very much like it's a personal preference. I'm not gonna, I'm all about pro choice. I'm all about women, people having access to the best quality, well informed care for their well being. But, but <laughs> seeing what hormonal synthetic birth control does to women, especially women of color, I've had to really reconsider my stance and be like, Griselda, you need to share more of your stance. Always with the caveat that I've never been on birth control, but I have worked, Miguelina and I, with a lot of women that were on birth control for years and then they got off and they got very sick or I mean there's y'all is is deep there's so much about
5: there are people that have shared that they had an IUD and then they took it off and they're like oh I'm dreaming again or Mm -hmm. like oh like certain things that it's just like you're disconnecting yourself from your source because usually when you're on birth control you're not bleeding Mm mm-hmm that's like the elixir of life when a woman is on her cycle. Even if you're not bleeding, we're still on this cycle if you're menopausal, but if you're not menopausal and you're on your cycle and you're on your bleeding time, you are the most connected to the earth. Like this is a mm. sacred red tent where we're women, we would bleed together because we all bled on a new moon and we will mm. come together and serve as council for as like elders. We served as council for our communities because that's how tapped in a woman is. And like, if you shove a tampon up there or if you're taking birth control that's impeding that flow, like it's no coincidence that women have so many imbalances, fibroids. However, you know, the yin and yang, we're also
3: clear on the fact that I myself am a survivor of sexual, childhood sexual abuse. I know what trauma does to a body, right? Mm. And women that have been sexually abused, Suffer from a lot of menstrual imbalances because the shame and the guilt and the fear are all trapped in that womb space. So you know, mm. endometriosis and and polycystic ovarian syndrome and irregular periods are very much a symptom of years of trauma that are trapped in the body. And sometimes a hormonal synthetic birth control pill maybe one of the, a person's few saving graces mm-hmm. in an allopathic Western but then model. It's, it's interesting how,
5: because real oh, quick, with are go ahead. It's just, you know, I feel moved. I know what you're going to say. Like, that's <laughs> what I was getting to that. What I'm like, answer.
3: but at the same time, there's a whole nother world of healing your body naturally. That does require a very intense shift in consciousness where if a woman wants to heal her womb naturally, she can, but it's going to have to be deep programming where you got to go back into like forgiving your mother. You know, forgiving yourself. <laughs> know going. Forgiving your aggressors, like it's deep. And looking at the food you eat and cutting back on dairy and cutting back on alcohol, cutting back cutting back on toxic dick, on toxic pussy. Like <laughs> it's so deep, right? It's so deep that I think that I mean, yeah, I already see. Yeah, I mean, it's really deep, but I'm becoming more vocal with my stance on birth control because I feel like it's atrocious what women have been put through. Because I know that there's a lot of other alternatives that can be developed, but they're not as lucrative or profit-inducing as like, mm-hmm. you know, auto-tricycling or like Depo-Provera. So these are the things that are like marketed to women, but they're designed mostly by men. And it's like,
0: mm-hmm. what right. are
3: we doing though? Uh, yeah.
0: yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what glenn's about to say i was gonna say i want to respect you all's time oh yeah I yeah i was gonna yeah. say <laughs> um, i don't
2: know so that's one quick quick super quick yeah um oh, damn. you nige you mentioned something about um tampons do you are y'all into like free bleeding like the
5: no we use uh
2: thanks panties mm. we've never
5: thanks, used things
2: like i think things are so cool
5: I haven't used we them, like,
2: old school seven.
3: granny pads from the top of your vulva <laughs> all the way up to your yeah, ass crack. Like, we are that's my favorite
1: pad. <laughs>
0: like I like our the
1: overnight ones. With the wings.
0: <laughs> Listen, we're, oh, we're, like, we're distributors
1: of say, an organic
5: pad. Yeah, we're distributors. Oh. And I've never seen an overnight pad. I was like, "Geez, if I go through this pad, like the pad is literally like from my belly button to like my ass crack." It's like I've <laughs> never seen a belly uh, with three wings. Uh, through a two, three sets of wings. Yes. Front, middle, and yeah. back—three sets of wings. But oh we're God. distributors of that. We have yeah. to like, we have to push that weight a little harder. But the point I'm making. Wait, what's is it
2: called? Yeah, so our listeners. Jewel, 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 jewel. If you go to
5: our, if you go to our link in
3: the bio in um, and on our website, um, there's a link in the bio on IG that leads you to like a list of our services, and the pads are on one
5: of them. Ooh, so what i was gonna say is like you know our family are like bush people from the dominican republic literally they they lived in the mountains you know as farmers for years and then moved to a city in the dominican republic and then my mom was the first in her immediate family to migrate here and uh, so my mom raised us very old school like when we got our period we were not painting our nails we were not washing our hair we were not fucking with no like you know, bleach, you know, cleaning like that. And, you know, after a while, I was like, this is so ridiculous. But then getting deeper into our work and being more connected into that Yoni power, like these bitches knew what they were talking about. Like when you're bleeding, you're open. Like literally your pores are wide open. Like when a woman gives birth, she is open. We deal a lot with the aura in Kundini Yoga. When a woman is on her cycle and when a woman is giving birth and is postpartum, her aura is so open and you take everything in right including people's energy including those toxins in that bleach including toxins in tampons Mm. so it's time to slow down and be extra careful and giri is not kidding we have like old school granny period panties and we wear them and our friends make fun of us because they're like oh my god that's so unsexy i'm like oh my god so it's bleeding for nine days that's so unsexy right (laughs) So all of that is just like, it, it, it's that's, we've been treating our period where we started using a diva cup and then it was like, no, that's not working. Like Gri and I never really used tampons. I think I've used tampons maybe eight times in my life, right? Wow. And yeah. it, it, but it's not for everyone. Also, Grizalda and I have had relatively like normal periods, mm-hmm. but I will say that the deeper I've gotten into this womb work, my period is just very different. Like, mm-hmm. it's relatively painless, I bleed for three days. I mean, it's also oh my, my age, but I bleed for three days. And, you know, there are women my age that don't have the same outcome because mm-hmm. they're dealing with a lot of toxicity in their environment. What they're eating, they're having in sex their with, their, with the wrong person. And, you know, that's what I was going to say, like, sitting at the feet of Queen of Fua, And I was just telling my boyfriend this on Sunday you know I saw it in the flesh like women coming to her with fibroids and oh I've been bleeding for 14 days Mm. and it's it's like the stories I used to hear and I would just sit back you know because Queen would give them like like a diet like a, a a food regimen they should follow and cut out like pork and and red meat and do your best to not wear tampons and then she would like eh she used to be like, okay, beloved, so uh, who do we need to forgive? <laughs> vagina's angry. She has a book, I think, like, My Angry Vagina. Oh my like gosh. That. You know, your, your vagina's angry. Like, who do you need to forgive? And people's faces would be like, what? Because yeah. when you're thinking about a heavy period and bleeding for ex- excessively for days, you don't necessarily think, like, this may be due to the resentment that I'm carrying. This may be due to being violated as a little girl and not having done the work, understandably mm-hmm. so, because it's really deep work, to really lean into that shadow. Because maybe they don't have someone to be like, girl, you're going to be okay. Like, I did it. My homegirls did it. And, you know, whenever we're, as human beings, I love Brene Brown's work. She does work on vulnerability. Like mm-hmm. whenever human beings are feeling the worst shame and sadness, it's usually when we feel the most lonely. And this is why community mm-hmm. is so important. So if, if there's a sister mm-hmm. that needs to do that shadow work, it's important for her to have other sisters to be like, yo, like I got you. Like I got mm-hmm. you And right I, And now. I
3: think bringing the conversation full circle is something you asked Chelsea earlier about the witch identity. Miga, that was a, a beautiful way of encapsulating mm-hmm. This, this witch bruja identity, it's having that insight into, wow, my emotional baggage is actually getting in the way of me having a healthy cycle and recognizing, being able to recognize that it's power in and of itself, but then taking charge and doing the work of forgiving and releasing, it's when a woman really taps in and becomes embodied in her bruja identity. Because I don't want to simplify it, but it is as simple as it sounds, right? We start doing the forgiveness work because everything, every ailment of the human body starts in the emotional body. Everyone, even this virus, right? The fact that it inflicts the lungs. I mean, now they're saying that it's a blood-related disorder that actually attacks the lungs more than any other organ. The lungs are associated with grief, right?
4: Mm -hmm.
3: When you look at the emotional embodiment of illnesses, the lungs are grief, the liver is anger, the kidneys are fear, what is what is God trying to tell us in in, 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 in embodying an illness that devours people's lungs, that the mm. human species is under a lot of grief? Mm. And as intense as that as that is, it also is very empowering to step back and be like, okay, that means that there's a solution out of this. In addition to treatments that may work, in addition to the social distancing, I think facing this pandemic, it has to take a collective effort where we as a collective start to vibrate on a much higher frequency and release mm. grief from our, our one body out of the billions in the world could cause a, a ripple effect where if enough of us start doing the forgiveness work, we're literally reducing the, 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 the pressure that we have put on Mother Earth to release maybe the weight of this illness on the planet. I believe that with every freaking cell of my body yeah. So that to me is what makes my sister and I and so many other women witches where we look at something like a pandemic that can be so big and scary, which it is, but we recognize that that's part of one parallel reality And we try our best to create another parallel one in our homes, in our minds of sanctity. So that when we read the news or when we face the news, looking at what's the next step in the next few months with this pandemic, we're not consumed by fear or angst because we know deep in our heart that there's a bigger reason and purpose for everything that's going on.
5: We could leave you with two short things like we were working on, like just leaving you with tools, like some breath work that you can Mm -hmm. do if you're feeling anxious, if you want to do the mantra... Um I don't know what you okay. decided if the I am divine or the one that you initially felt moved to share. I was like we'll just talk uh, to them yeah. for like 30 minutes and <laughs> we are. Yeah, I looked <laughs> I looked up and it was like it was like 8:39 and then when somebody mentioned it I was like it's 9:18 like oh my god that? I didn't Nine realize five. until
0: somebody was calling me and I was like I told this person I have something burning Hour and then I was. Oh, <laughs> wait,
1: as you're looking for the um uh, sounds what uh, signs are you uh, all? Yeah. Or what sign are both of you? Uh,
5: we, we, have same, uh, we have the same exact birthday. Uh,
1: yay! Gang, gang,
3: gang, gang. <laughs> When's your birthday? August twelfth. Oh, we're the nineteenth. Uh, a week apart. What are your I'm your happy. signs?
1: I'm a Capricorn. Oh. oh nice.
3: And I'm a Sag. Oh. <laughs> oh, that has to be my favorite sign. Sorry, Capricorn. I know. Leo, but um,
2: I a I was like, oh, Capricorn I is the, the father sag? of the
3: zodiac.
4: Capricorn,
3: yeah,
5: Comment on the sag. <laughs> <laughs> Our best friend from since we were yeah. eight, we have a the, the same best friend. Um, she's a sag, and I think as mm-hmm. fire signs, it just it works. but well, we're fire, yeah. fire. Our moon is in Aries. <gasps>
2: oh, That's, isn't your in <laughs> Aries? I, no. No,
0: my moon's in
3: Aquarius. (laughs) How about about you all, the rest of y'all?
2: I think my moon is in Capricorn and my rising is Taurus. I don't know,
0: Mine. Chelsea's moon is either Leo or Sag. I'm, yeah,
1: she
0: has Capricorn,
1: Leo, Sag.
0: Yeah.
5: Oh, wow. Fire, fire.
0: Mm
1: hmm.
5: So, Um, what did you decide?
3: All right. No, we could do I Am Divine because I can't seem to find the version of this song that I want. That's God
5: okay <laughs> because, um briefly and, and for people that are listening maybe you can't see us but you could definitely hear us so this is um uh so both of us are kundalini yoginis we practice and teach kundalini yoga kundalini yoga is called the yoga of awareness so it focuses on um not only our physical bodies but our subtle bodies our auras and kundalini yoga is focusing on this kundalini sacred divine feminine energy that everybody possesses i love them because other teachers because she's like it's a sacred sexual creative feminine energy that lies like at the center of the galaxies the center of our milky way the center of the earth and it lies at the center of all of us so it's this beautiful energy that lies at the base of our spine and we do things as humans and reincarnated as humans to let the kundalini energy rise um So this is uh, Kundalini Yoga focuses a lot on pranayama, or breath work, and mantra, sacred chant. And those are the two tools we're going to impart you with. So I'm going to focus on a pranayama technique. It's relatively simple. It's called four, seven, eight breath. So you inhale for four seconds. You suspend your breath for seven seconds. And then you exhale for eight seconds, and I'll keep count for you. Um, In any type of yoga, the power of the breath is in the exhale. Um, I was, I just recently received my yoga certification and I learned a lot about pranayama. We are not using not even half of the capacity of our lungs. And a lot of it is because we breathe shallow, like we inhale with our chest and then we bring our belly in. When in reality, when you inhale, your belly comes out. So right now you could try, put your, uh, your hand over your belly. And when you inhale, you feel your belly rising. It's called Buddha belly, a deep yogic breath. Or three-part breath, because when you inhale, first you feel your belly expand. Then you feel your ribs expand, and then your chest opens. And then when you exhale, you feel your chest come in a little bit, your ribs contract, and then your belly contracts. So let's try that again. Deep inhale. Feel your belly rising. Then feel your ribs expanding, and feel your heart opening up, serving it up to God. Then you exhale all through the nose. Exhale. Bring the chest slightly in, your ribs contract, and the belly contracts. So that's, that's called a deep yogic breath, or Buddha belly breath. And this breath, four, seven, eight, helps to calm any anxiety that comes up biologically has been proven to really slow down your heart rate, bring your blood pressure down. This helps with sleep. A lot of people are complaining that their sleep pattern has been thrown off. So if you are ever in a state where you need to calm down, if you feel like your thoughts are frantic, just sit. You could put one hand over your belly, one hand over your heart. You could put both hands on your knees, however you feel called to. And practice a four, seven, eight breath. So everyone just come to a seated position. Um, If it's comfortable for you, close your eyes or at least look down at least two feet in front of you. And just take a couple of deep breaths as you would normally, relaxing the jaw. And then let's begin. So you're gonna inhale for one, two, three, four. Hold your breath, Seven, six, five, four, three, two. One exhale eight seven six five four three two one inhale one two three four suspend the breath seven six five four three two one exhale eight Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Inhale, four, three, two, one. Suspend the breath. Relax the jaw. Relax the eyes. Relax the shoulders. Three, two, one. Exhale, eight, seven, six, Five four three two one inhale four three two one suspend the breath seven six five four three two one exhale eight seven six five, continue to relax the shoulders, two, and one, inhale, four, three, two, one, suspend the breath, relax the shoulders, relax the jaw, bring the chin slightly down, and exhale, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, Two, one, inhale. Suspend the breath. Exhale. Five, four, three, two, and one. And just sit quietly. And wiggle your toes of your toes. I'm used to people lying down, wiggle Mm -hmm. your your hands and come back into the space. So that's a simple breath, four, seven, eight. Some people do four, 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 right? But I like four, seven, eight because the power is in the exhale. And I know at the beginning, it could be a bit uncomfortable, but you feel lighter, right? Um, When you do this, that was three minutes of four, seven, eight breath. Yeah,
2: that felt good. Uh like cleansing and we think about the importance of the breath it's it's everything and i've been having that sleep trouble so i'm Uh really excited to try that thank you i low
1: feel feel, low-key feel a little crazy because the beginning of it was hard for me so i'm like do i have freaking (coughs) coronavirus right now like i I I was like my lungs the capacity of my lungs (laughs) i don't know if i can do it but then like the the last one it felt more like i could do it
5: I don't know. When mm-hmm. I first started practicing this, like the inhale, I was like, like right, inhale like, yeah, is yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because
1: I'm like,
5: oh my God, I have to hold it for seven seconds. But your lungs are muscles. Like you have capillaries that like when you hold the breath, you kind of expand them and then you squeeze them and you expand them. Like breath work is really powerful. That's why they, we, they ask us to do cardiovascular activities at least three times a week because it gets the heart rate going and it gets mm-hmm. the lungs being able to catch more air. But, so you yeah. do not, I, I don't think you have coronavirus. <laughs> it's just a normal reaction yeah. to this breath. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, no, but that's you. real because that's
3: immense fear that we carry. Mm-hmm. So the breath work is one avenue to address the physical embodiment of fear. And then sacred words or mantras are another one. This is one of the songs that we love. It's an album called Divine Woman by Hari Bhajan um, what she says is I am um, um, I am divine I am divine I am divine we'll just we'll just chant it for like a minute
4: right?
3: and you're welcome to close your eyes put your hands over your heart and this is a reminder I am divine I am divine
4: I am divine
3: and if you want to chant along because the vibrations oh, of your of your voice help to send
4: by, healing vibrations to your aura I am divine I am divine I am divine I am divine I am divine
3: Take a very, very, very deep breath. Deep, deep, deep breath. Feel that divinity. Let it go slowly. Exhale, exhale, exhale. And our prayer for those that are listening, for Black Girls Texts, for the beautiful collective you all have, is that we remember our divinity in all that we do, that we find a practice uh, ritual that works for us as a reminder in our brains biochemically of the divinity that we are as spirits having a human experience we're living through some truly unprecedented times that can be potentially very fear fear fear-filled and uncertain but there's so much potential for growth and transformation in that uncertainty if we just believe so thank you all so 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 much for inviting us for trusting us May your listeners, like you all, leave feeling a grain of sand lighter, more empowered, more willing, and more loving in all that you do. Thank you so much. Satnam. Satnam. Peace. And Satnam translates into truth is my identity. And we greet each other this way as Kundalini yogis as a reminder that regardless of what's going on in the world and even in our own world, in our mind, that we are divine that we are truth that we are god's children
5: yeah. thank you that's thank so
1: beautiful you. thank you both thank you. so much um, this was so much fun yeah this was
0: amazing uh, we have to do something when we can like touch each other and like be around 100 um, because i am such a big fan i really really appreciate both of you taking the time to join us today and to share your wisdom with us and i feel like there's so many other topics and things that we could get into so looking forward to continuing this with y'all
1: yeah for
2: sure thank you and we have a segment um at the end of every show um, called black girls doing shit where we (laughs) highlight and celebrate a black girl doing shit we got two black girls doing shit our uh, Brujas yes. of Brooklyn, <laughs> thank you again you. for being here with us. Can you just share for our listeners how they can follow you, where they can find you, and
5: learn more? <laughs> WWW. Grieg gets so annoyed when I do that. Like, girl, they know it's WWW. <laughs> 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 Brujas of Brooklyn across all platforms B R U J as in Joy, A S as in Sam, Brujas of Brooklyn, like the borough.com on Twitter, on Instagram. Instagram is where we have most of our activity. That's the platform that we use the most. Go to the little link, you know where to find it. And there's a, like a plethora of um, podcasts and videos that we've been featured in. That playlist I mentioned um, is called Spiritual Immunity that we created- to Against Fear. The Spiritual Immunity Against Fear that I curated to help increase the vibration during these moments and keep checking out our webpage our instagram page i'm sorry we do lives a lot um instagram lives this may be aired afterwards for the three of you if you'd like tomorrow at 7 p.m we have a live and i know it, it coincides with zoila's live we didn't really do our homework well but we have lives from time to time where we just do this we hold a little kundalini yoga ritual and then we just shoot the shit but that's where you can find us
1: yeah I love it Thank you so yes. much. Thank you.: Thank you all so Thank much. Y'all. Much light, and yes. you know,
3: if in the near future you all want to chop it up again, we're here. ain't yeah. going it
0: yeah. for now. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm gonna be back here in the damn closet.) <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all again.
1: Thank, Thank you, you. Good
2: Thank night. you all. Have a good night.
4: Good night. night. Bye. Bye. Bye.